Welcome to Altered Potters, where we hang out with fellow artists and talk while getting a little altered. I am one of the hosts, Ryan Myers, a full-time studio artist and instructor. And I'm the other host, Rochelle Miller, a ceramic artist and instructor, and this is Altered Potters. Welcome to Altered Potters. I'm Rochelle Miller. I'm a potter and a ceramics instructor. I'm Ryan Myers. I do the same things that Rochelle does. And we have a guest today. We have Jackie Matelski. She is a potter. Uh, you can find her at Toast Ceramics on Instagram. And ToastCeramics.com also is a great place to find her work. I'm drinking a uh, local beer. It's from Ale Asylum. It's a Hopalicious. Jackie, what are you drinking and what are you drinking it out of? I am also drinking a Hopalicious out of a tumbler made by Tara Wilson, who is a wonderful wood fire ceramicist. And it's a really nice shape. It looks like it fits beautifully in your yes, hands. Yes, it's super comfy. All of her cups like this have a great comfiness in mm -hmm. your hand and like a sculptural, but more like a gestural quality to a wheel thrown pot, I think, yeah. than others. And that foot's really sweet too, because she's is. got a little and play with that. And it's just like very subtly squared off on the inside too. Mm. It's like, you can't really see it, but you can feel it in your hand. Nice. nice cup. I'm drinking out of a Rob Cartelli cup. I'm drinking some wine that Ryan's wife gave me. <laughs> it's a red, it's nice. We um, made it in our bathtub. They made it in bathtub wine. Because, you know, artists don't always have a lot of extra cash. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they learn it in prison. I think it's really sweet. It's porcelain. It's got horizontal blue inlay, and he leaves the outside clear of glaze except for a little thumb spot. And then on the lip, he also has an inlay of blue to kind of complement what's going on, on the outside. But it's... One of my favorite ones to drink out of because it fits very nicely in my hand. Okay, Ryan, what are you drinking out of? <laughs> I'm drinking out of a Kenyan Hansen porcelain, kind of a duck build cup. It doesn't really have a handle, but it has a little nodule. Like yeah. a ledge. It's like a perfect Finger way to ledge. have it stay in your yeah. hand comfortably. So Get a little bit more liquid to fit in there without having a handle. Well, yeah. It's slightly altered and soda fired. He does an inlay also, which must be the thing right now. There's a lot of people doing the inlay. All the cool people are doing it. Yes, I started doing inlay, so. <laughs> <laughs> I tried doing it as a demo at school and it, the clay was too groggy. Well, anyway. yours is porcelain and this is porcelain, so I maybe. I know, that tells you that the grog, I'm not used to using clay with grog. Should we get rocking? Get Jackie on the spot? Please. Okay. Jackie on the spot. Jackie on the spot. Cha -cha. I don't know your backstory. How far so, back do we go for these things? Well, let's say let's say your come to clay moment. Uh, my come to clay moment versus photography, because I was like on a photo track until I got to UW was coming to UW, kind of taking a year to figure out what I wanted to do with my pedagogical career because I was pretty into activism at that point in my life and came to UW to take poli-sci classes and see what that was like. 
was going to also take photo classes, uh, but they were full, so I took a ceramics class because I also took ceramics in high school too and learned how to throw on a treadle wheel in the basement of my high school. I ended up in Paul Sacaritas Ceramics 1 class. Or no, it was actually uh, right Christina Paul. West. No, it was Paul was there and Christina oh. West was teaching Ceramics 1, who is a sculptor, figurative sculptor. Yeah, so I was in her Ceramics 1 class and then I moved to Paul's Advanced Ceramics class and Paul and I got along really well and he was a great mentor and like would look at my photos and we would talk about them. He was, yeah. He and Haystack, which this was before Paul's director at Haystack, are the reasons that I went to Clay. Mm -hmm. Like I was very set on doing photography, but the Clay community was just so much more welcoming than photo was. Like mm -hmm. photography was pretty cutthroat, you know, everybody does their weddings and they're battling for the good clients. Whereas Clay, I think we all have so many issues and problems that don't make any sense. And it can be so frustrating that we can't be in our little silos. We have to share information. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so, it's a lot more communal. Yeah, Wait, the open source. I guess I don't know community. how that compares to photography. Since I mean, my never... little sliver of it was, you know, every, and it's probably, I would imagine, even worse now that everybody has cameras on their phones. That it's just like, what do you do to set yourself apart? We can all kind of do the same things with the similar mm -hmm. tools. Whereas Clay, like I said, there are so many issues that we run into that make no sense. <laughs> if we don't share information, we're all just reinventing the wheel over and over again. Right, right. But this photography background has been helpful in yeah. your later life definitely as a working handy. artist. So yeah, definitely handy to know how to edit a photo in Photoshop really well. Yeah. And yeah. set up scenes and have a little bit more 2D mindset after right. a, for a 3D object. Did you have to take photography, Ryan, in yeah, undergrad? Yeah, but I mean, I feel like more art students have a better handle on taking classes in a career than yeah. what I did. I was just, I took it, I shot photos of bullshit. And but you developed and a little fun. bit of an eye though, right? I mean, because I feel like I've never taken a photography course. And in undergrad, it was, I could take graphics or photography. And I have no idea why I took graphics. And it was like, it was, it was early graphics. It was like 90, 96. So it was like. like soft paint. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> a Casio, you know. No, it wasn't that bad. It would have been beneficial had I taken photography because I feel like I'm having to learn a lot now to catch up what people just learned in a semester class. Well, yeah, that's one thing with your Instagram and, you know, you always seem to take really thoughtful photos. Mm -hmm. And I definitely noticed that right away, but I, I didn't know you had a photography background, so yes. it makes sense. So after undergrad, then you went to Haystack. Uh, I went to Haystack my junior year. Oh. Summer between junior and senior year, maybe. Or maybe, yeah, it was junior and senior year because we had moved to the art lofts. The ceramics department moved to the art lofts at UW. Nice. It was a week-long workshop. It was like the end of the season. Last week workshop at Haystack is a week-long. Mm -hmm. And I shipped my bike out there, and I biked from Portland, Maine, up to Haystack and just had like a wild experience. That's probably a whole podcast worth of talking about. But 
this week-long workshop ended up being a lot of old rich women, sure. old rich white ladies who just took me under their wing. It's Aww. like their little baby bird who was <laughs> on her bike. They're like, she doesn't even have a car. She had to bike here. Yeah, I don't have a bike backstory. I know, everybody like seems Jackie has to... a bike backstory. Mark, Mark had, had a, a bike story. Yeah. yeah. Biking is part of pottery life, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah, I've it was seen, Linda Christensen, and she's, she was also just, like, mm. took a lot of time with me and had a lot of insightful things to say, so... That's what turned me from photography to ceramics. Well, she, she is amazing. I met she's, her she's one time, like and I think I hugged her spirit. three times. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's like, it's I'm like not so a calm. huggy like person. A, and is that when she, she put the restraining order on it? Yeah, <laughs> third me. time? She oh, she me. hugged you. Yeah, I had students with me at the Aww. time, and one of them ended up working with her a little bit. And, I mean, she just seemed so she's amazing. Just, yeah. Yeah, she's a really good person and a calm presence and energy when you're a ding-dong 20-something biking up the coast of Maine with no money. <laughs> but that, that was a beautiful trip. Like I drove, yeah. I drove through there. We went to um, Arcadia one time and drove past Haystack. And I'm like, I really wanted to yeah, stop. That but place is mm -hmm. a, it's just like so magical. It is everything everybody says it is. Nobody says anything bad about Haystack because yeah. it is... Truly a magical little place. So did you, you did a week at Haystack just between junior and senior year? Yep. And then yep. you graduated? Yep, the next year I would have graduated and I was on track to go to the Peace Corps. Oh. And moved to Orcas Island off the coast of uh, Washington in the San Juan Islands. On the recommendation of my friend Ryan Lawless, who is another Ceramic artist, he was at UW at the same time as me, and he lived on Orcas forever and worked at Orcas Island Pottery. Mm -hmm. He was like, if you need farming experience to join the Peace Corps, come out to Orcas for the summer. I'll get you hooked up with an internship and you can still make pots. Mm -hmm. Like they, he had a, it's, it's such a strangely fancy place that I was, I ended up. For Peace Corps? for this internship and then I was making pots on like a beachfront studio. Oh, that sounds <laughs> awful. That like this <laughs> wonderful old woman, woman just let people use and I like cleaned some clay buckets or something to use it in exchange for nothing. Like it was just a really special, Did, weird so, but special So experience. was it, were you hired as a, as a potter or were you just getting to use her studio and making your own work? I think I was hired as like an assistant to some like a studio assistant classes, right? Oh, okay. Like she had a little teaching facility and would teach kids, I think, oh. and I was reclaiming clay or something. Nice. I don't think I made a lot of pots because you were pretty busy when you were farm intern sure. in the summer. <laughs> sure. But it was still nice to have access. And then, so I was on track to join the Peace Corps. I just needed to get that actual farming ex experience okay. and qualify and go wherever. Uh, and then I got a call from Jennifer Lapham, who is Paul's wife, mm -hmm. that she was looking to start a community ceramics studio and oh, needed yeah. a studio manager. And Paul had asked me before I left if I would be interested, and I said, yeah. So So you started at Midwest Clay Project. Sure did. Oh, I didn't know that that was where it all came. Yeah, me too. and Jennifer started Midwest Clay Project yeah. together. I was yeah. her right hand. And that's where I first met you, and I yep. taught a few classes there. And 
Yeah, all those tables at MCP, yeah. I painted the legs and helped stretch the canvas. Well, probably not anymore. I'm sure they've replaced it a few times, but, yeah. but those legs are still green and blue. And I painted oh, all of them. You from your all brush. those wheels. I drove all oh. over the place picking up wheels from <laughs> Craigslist. Like, huh. Some guy asked me out on a date on, a, on one of the times Ooh. and I picked up a wheel. That's, that's really ballsy. Funny. And that's it's how you met experience. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I met Eric at Mickey's, ironically. Oh. So we're doing a real history oh. tour here. Flashback. But you went from there to starting to do shows with your own work. Your own work, I, I only know it in, kind of in the format that you're making it now with, you know, kind of the graphic mm-hmm. marks and, and geometric lines and things, which is very cool. How did you get to that point? And then how did you also market your stuff so people knew where to find you and you found your people? So the evolution of my work started at Midwest Clay Project. I I remember the first sort of batch of pots that were the basis of where things have gone to now. I don't think I ever made a body of work. Well, I guess I had a couple of shows in undergrad, but it was... Like weird rap lyrics carved on (laughs) pots, but you know, that's not too far away from, like that's probably a stepping stone. Yeah, yeah. Like I would draw weird pictures of Beastie Boys lyrics on plates and mugs and stuff. And that was what undergrad is all about. It is. Being weird and thinking it's super cool and edgy. But yeah, so Midwest Clay Project is probably when I made my first body of work. It was carved uh, with black inlay mm-hmm. and bright colors. Pretty simple, geometric, or a little bit more, probably a little bit more fluid, I would say, than now mm-hmm. uh, in terms of line work. And I had a little show at Bloom Bake Shop in Middleton, back mm-hmm. when she was in Middleton only. And that was actually where I kind of met Eric or things started to spark oh yeah at that show things and i was still jackie mattel they oh, bloomed oh there bloom. we go there it is Ba-dum-ba. <laughs> dad joke <laughs> yeah so then from there i guess i moved to making those pots more and then they just got weirder and different as time went on i cut carving out when i changed my name to toast ceramics okay that was a turn from like, it's almost like there's a spectrum of the trajectory of ceramic artists these days or potters. Almost like your Instagram made to order potter, your studio potter is like your artist potter. And I was like a production potter with her own line of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's almost like building a company Mm-hmm. model like a he ceramics you're making the mm-hmm. same thing over and over again mm-hmm. you develop a style and you want it recognizable it. that it's yeah yep. yep i think i just did that for lack of a better idea and like things were selling and i took all these beautiful photos that just got me everywhere and mm-hmm. it's like well you could do that every time you make a body of work or you could ride these photos out for a long time mm-hmm. that's what i did mostly because i had to pay the bills and that was how it was working at the time. Yeah. Well, and that um, led you to anthropology. Burnout. Yes. Well, okay. Yeah. So eventually, the end of the story is burnout. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're not there yet. Uh, but there were some stepping stones. Yeah. So you, we were doing shows all over. I was doing shows regionally. I don't think I went when you further do, than Minneapolis. So the Midwest, yeah. staying with yeah. them. Okay. 
but mostly yeah. in Chicago. But it was like renegade craft. And yeah, yeah. I kind of, I kind of rode the indie indie artist, mm -hmm. indie ceramic artist, kind of early Instagram mm -hmm. pottery wave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Things have expanded and changed a lot. I've noticed since I've been dipping my toes back in. I think everybody probably catches up to the point where you get burnt out making the same thing over and over oh, again. Oh, hundred percent. And now it's everybody just does drops. Like you just make a batch work, mm -hmm. whatever you want, and then have a release date. And that yeah. seems to. I see the value in that. Yeah. After going through making the same stuff over and over again. How did anthropology find you? Instagram. So they found you on Instagram. Yeah. Did they order? a line for all of their stores or did they kind of just say let's let's try it and then see what the response is or so they had people come to my house wow. and like visit my studio they're like purchasers or merchandisers i don't mm -hmm. know the corporate speak but mm -hmm. Like, I had to clean my house like, <laughs> to the nines and get all the fancy cheese. Like, I you made got a all your, it was like all a, your decorations from anthropology that you had I out. I had a yeah. strategically placed, <laughs> discounted in, hand towel were you, in the bathroom. Were you dressed in anthropology? Yeah, I was not. Oh, I man. Actually, I don't really I mean, I, we can say this now because anthropology has been... They're not like buying from the, you anymore? No, they're just, like, not a great company. Oh, they're sure. not? No. Oh my gosh! For real? Yeah. yeah, I don't think they're oh good well, one to support right. anymore. So I shouldn't. Working I shouldn't buy the my three hundred dollar jeans from them anymore. Well, there goes our sponsorship. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you, Sorry. Jackie! Sorry. You know what? Working with them was fine. I would say the only downside was the shipping portion of it. Like I had to have everything ready to ship, packed, ready to ship. Mm -hmm. So they were just going to put it in another box. Mm -hmm. uh, and that wasn't factored into my pricing. Like, yeah, so that will knock you out. Yeah, totally yeah. knocked me out. And I had to get it on a pallet and like, oh, it was geez. a lot, it was a ton of learning. I had to put yeah. like little care stickers on it, like no dishwasher yeah. or yeah. whatever. Mine could go in the dishwasher, but that had to, it had to have made in the USA sticker on it. Like there was sure. all these parameters. West Elm was the same way. Urban Outfitters was the same way. So you did you like work these. with those other companies as mm -hmm. well? Yeah. Oh, so you made work for West Elm too? Well, and they had the local program. I don't know if they still do, but when they put the shop in Milwaukee, they right. wanted to get a bunch of local ceramic artists in there. Oh so my gosh! So so that's amazing. So you did? How did you sell it as wholesale then? So mm -hmm. then. Yeah. 50, okay. 50. Oh, so it wasn't Milwaukee wholesale wasn't so then. Bad. It 50, was 50s wholesale. Oh, 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 sure. Okay, I was thinking of consignment. Consignment. I guess it's all the same. So galleries are 50, yeah. 50, yeah, 50 yeah. too. So it's not like a yeah. big difference, except with wholesale, they are paying you for it regardless of if it sells right, or not. Right, it's up front. All though at the bigger companies, they have like net 30 mm -hmm. terms, so you don't mm -hmm. get paid for 30 days. Just, wow! So guy, you got really was cool. you got a lot of exposure fast, and you yeah, got that was probably over a good three years that that all kind of happened. And everybody wanted the same work. I think it was the lack of time to do anything yeah. different. Yeah, because yeah. you're you're just cranking out right, work. Right. Whenever I wanted to take time off, it was not to make pottery. It was to build a kitchen or build mm -hmm. a XYZ, like to do anything else. Because yeah. that was all I did all day, well, every day. your home is pretty insane. I have, we haven't seen your new kitchen yet. 
it's other it's, than photos that look pretty amazing. It's nice. I I was in your home. That's I don't right. remember when, but yeah, I got to see day. the countertop. I got to <laughs> see all the pretty. Well, and also their backyard. It's amazing. I haven't like, seen the backyard. How much produce can be produced? Yeah, out of a we have no grass. Stamp. It's all garden. It's all garden. I guess I remember seeing the gardens in the front too. Yeah, there's a whole another yeah. several hundred square feet in the back. And you had a vegetable stand for a while. And... Yeah, we had a little free garden vegetable stand on our alleyway, and then the city of Madison shut us down because they said we weren't zoned to sell things. I was like, it is a donation. <laughs> yeah, it is free. <laughs> so, yeah. Buzzkill. So now we just put a cardboard box out there. Yeah, extra produce. in there. But we're pretty good now. We don't grow a ton of things that we don't eat anymore unless we have some crazy bumper crop. That's awesome. Yeah. Wow. A lot. Almost 10 years in our house. Wow. wow. Yeah. And you've been with Eric for probably those 10, 10 years. Yeah. Once you got to your house, that's when you got your first studio then? Or did yeah. you? So I had a studio space at Midwest Clay Project that was part of the deal as right. a studio manager there. But it wasn't huge, I'm no, assuming. It was a little weird corner. back yeah. corner it was bigger than anything anybody else had when we were we, when i was there it was on willie street so it was right. just that madison sourdough long right hallway space it's not like it is now with a nice little private studios I just yeah had a it's little beautiful weird. now i yeah. teach there and i'm always just like oh it's so nice i could hang here for a while but Maybe. when i first went to the old place i was just blown away because they had the small gallery it was just like every current super great potter was yeah. showing. That's yeah. when Jennifer had it, yeah. though, right? Yeah. yeah, those yeah. two have a lot of connections. Yeah. For sure. A lot of great pots. Where it's at now is totally different. It's too much work to have a gallery yep. and teach classes and have all those things going on. Mm -hmm. They had to build a following. And then when they yeah. moved, well, twice, mm -hmm. they had people who moved with them and right. like very loyal people yeah. who had learned there and don't want a messy clay studio in their house mm -hmm. so it was perfect for them to have those private studios well and it was a good stepping stone for you by teaching at midwest clay project you know you can really see the growth of a lot of the artists yeah. and you're, there's some really exciting things coming out of that community studio oh I yeah was there one time and this woman was telling me that her mother was upset because she just broke her peter vocus huge hanging platter and it fell off the wall and broke and I was just like did you save the shards like I would love to have the broken chunks right. and they're like no we didn't save them oh, like, oh no, no. <laughs> they didn't want to they could they could epoxy it together yeah I could have probably glued it together and no one would have known the difference because you know some of his stuff was cracked yep. anyway they were yep. Like, yep. I probably could have made a story up he did it on purpose totally <laughs> after he pulled it on the kiln he just Threw it, it on the, the ground. ground. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's really had a number of different births as it's gone through yeah. its changes. It's great, the seed that was originally planted, that yeah. it's still growing yeah. and changing. Having done all these things in a short period of time, as you were talking about some burnout happening, how did you address that and then what what is your way of working in clay now since you've had success quickly? How do we measure success? Minimum wage for two years. <laughs> I probably you were would have been doing own, just fine if were, I didn't have a 
six-figure student loan debt right. following me around. Yeah. Oh, geez. Started in photography. Yeah. I went to a private art school in Chicago, Columbia College. Oh. For a year and a half that I'll pay for for the rest of my freaking life. Oh. I just um, paid off my private undergrad. Congratulations. Let's Woo-hoo! toast. So I stepped back from running my business basically because Donald Trump got elected and I lost a lot of faith in the world (laughs) and stability and the idea that I could ever find any relief for any of the things that have plagued me as a person who grew up below the poverty line and suffers from student loan debt, basically. I'm hamstrung by it constantly. Uh, I just felt like I wasn't gonna make my way out of it making pots for a living and i needed to get some sort of supplementary income that had health insurance because i wasn't sure what was going to happen with the aca which is how i was insured as a small business owner at that point so i started working at tds custom construction which was the people who put the addition on our house and a friend of mine was on the path to own the company and now he owns it and so I took a job there part-time and the first couple years there I went hard at Christmas time and backed off at TDS and then the rest of the year I had TDS to sort of vacillate between when I felt like doing a show I would back off on my hours there and work more or just you know work all weekend and then go into regular job during the day Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started there part-time at 20 hours. Now I'm up to 30, um, but they're super flexible. So mm-hmm. if I ever want to pick back up, they're all very supportive and understand that it's been a process to figure out what's right for me in terms of the way forward. Are you feeling working with them is filling that creative niche or are you finding still working on your house or working on your garden is filling some of those Um, Those wells? I tried. I tried to do interior design work at TDS because I thought, like, this is a creative outlet. I had almost a teaching position to come into a company in a different position and then be given the opportunity to try out sort of interior design light Mm -hmm. to see how I felt about it. Yeah. It wasn't for me. Okay. (laughs) I think the reason I burned out of making pots for a while was because I was just doing what people wanted, which was a creative compromise, which is how I've learned to view what happened there and what also happened at TDS, right? Like interior design, you gotta do what other people want. It's their house, they're paying you. Like they have to live with it every day, which I understand, but at the end of the day, I'd come out of these meetings and the choices that people make would just be wrong and it just (laughs) like hurt me in my heart to the point where I would be exhausted and come home and not have any energy for my family, which includes my partner and our two dogs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tried it on, it wasn't for me, but it helped me realize, right, the way forward for me and Clay is not making the same stuff over and over yeah. again. It just really burnt me out. You know, of course there's things that I make multiples of, mm-hmm. you know, cups and mm-hmm. certain wall pieces and stuff like that. But, I mean, there's things that I haven't made for 10 years that I might revisit. Mm-hmm. And I've always approached it differently. And I could never be a production potter. At the same time, I don't have the skills. 
to be a production potter, and I would love to like you do focus. You on would that. if you did it seven thousand yeah. times. Yeah, <laughs> it happens naturally. Yeah. I could make those little cups of my eye clothes. Away uh, anything. I already know what it weighs. For folks who haven't been production potters, when you make the same stuff over and over again, your muscle memory is so strong that when you try to make something different, it still looks like that other piece <laughs> that you're like, no, I really mean that. I want to do something. So it's an, a long untraining yeah. to be able to then have kind of more play within the forms. Yeah, especially throwing, I would say. I think mm -hmm. glazing, just it feels very easy to mix that up. But throwing, yeah, I agree. Because for me... I'm so much more about the glazing piece of it. Like, I love throwing more than I love glazing, but I yeah. think I experiment more with yeah. glaze than I do with the throwing part of it. Yeah. Probably because of the fear of, like, if I alter something, it might crack, and then it's wasted. Sometimes it's really hard for me to make pots I know aren't going to be successful because of the waste piece. Like, Oh, you are yeah. so good. <laughs> no, that's the way I feel, too. I mean, it's <sighs> hard to... I mean, I do explore a lot, but mm -hmm. at the same time, it's like, it's still a number, you know? Yeah. Like, it's still... Like we literally measure time off of pottery shards. That ain't going away. Yeah. It's going to be here forever. <laughs> yeah. But there are creative ways to... Deal with that. ...use bisque. Or yeah. Or make them aerate dirt or something else important. Well, I, I guess I just don't want garbage with my name on it to be around. <laughs> Right. No. You know, I don't want to find it at Goodwill and I don't Ooh, want to revisit it. Recently. Oh no, it did. Somebody tagged me in it. <laughs> it's like, I have mixed feelings about this. Uh, so someone, somebody gave a bad gift. No. <laughs> gave a bad gift. Someone just died. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's even that's sad. Aww. My husband, I'll clean the studio and throw things out because I, I need to do a reorganize and shift things around to work better now since I've worked in it for a little while. And I'll throw things in the dumpster and the fucker picks them out. <laughs> picks them out and then puts them in a box in his storage area. We don't have any room. <laughs> and I'm concerned for my future <laughs> with what... <laughs> Her house sale. is gonna look like. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking hoarder house. It was all these things where I'm like, God, I thought I threw that away. I thought that was done. <laughs> I was like, this is good. There's he's been drinking on a, a mug that has had some bloating in it, so it looks like it has a tumor. And I see him just drinking out of the tumor mug like every morning. <laughs> so man's trash. They that's say. so gross, though. Well, at least he's appreciating your work. Even. Well, I mean, that's one thing. He's got boxes of other things yeah. that he he away. can't let go of, even though I'm happy to let go of. Now, if I lived in a different location and not in town, I would love to have a shard pile. Yes. There is, I mean, even though you were just saying it's around forever, there's something about digging through shard piles. I've got to go through different potters shard piles at different points most of it was when i was in my early 20s and it was just like treasure you know? right it, it was amazing i think you have to realize that that is what it is no matter if it's in a pile yeah. or in a box on your street yeah. yeah but there's something also therapeutic about throwing it against that wall mm -hmm. and hearing go yeah. Yeah. now <laughs> it's selling are you just selling through pop-up shows or are you going to do 
Yeah, so sales again. Do you think? I took a little while off because of the pandemic, which sounds like it was a bad idea because apparently I know was it was selling gang like crazy busters. Uh, but I was going through some life stuff at that time, so it was my time was spent the way it should have been. But yeah, I did a little pop up at Good Day Shop here in Madison, which is owned by Sarah Arts, who's and she does a beautiful wonderful. job with her marketing. Yeah, everything there is just like very well curated. And mm-hmm. as a person who is a terrible curator, like I am very bad at curating. Really? Yeah, my house. I feel like I like I'm just so attached to objects that I sure. can't not put them in the right place or out like there are some things that maybe don't make sense and I can see that visually but I just like my heart is so but it's your house you don't exactly. have to have it make sense but I'm sure her house is beautiful because she just finds yeah. the perfect thing for the perfect place and she's got a great eye and a really good she's not a potter I mean if you look around <laughs> right. our house right now there's way too much pottery for this one room Oh, it's in this so one room, there's great, enough pottery though. for so, the so whole house. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just a perpetual critic of myself, so yeah, maybe that's part of it. I think that's also being <laughs> female. Because I, mm. I, I don't know, I walk around the same way where I'm always just like, oh, you should be, you should be, you should be. And that's like the soundtrack of my day. You should be spending more time with your kids. You should be cleaning your house. You should be folding the clothes. You should be making this or you should you should be going for a run it's a challenge to have that voice but it's also freaking motivating to get stuff done yeah where i'm like where was that should be sound when i was 20 years younger because i feel like i could have been a little more successful had i had that same self-criticism yeah instead i think i was living living large man (laughs) no cares in the world I was biking through me no I wasn't biking through me but I was happy and enjoying myself in that non-critical world (laughs) it's hard to say if that is tied to any milestone of adulthood or if it's just the process of getting older I think it's getting older and knowing that everybody has a finite time of being really productive and also I culture and do you feel like, like, I don't know, this is, this is how I kind of have been feeling about most things is I'm really excited about everything. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, there's so many things to learn and try and do. And it's, I've been trying to say no more because my natural instinct is to say, yes, yes, okay, sure, yes, I will do that because I want to do that. But it's also not realistic and then it causes stress and... Most, and then the I should be, I should be mm-hmm. voice comes back. Most of my heroes in clay, though, are making work 70s, 80s, 90s. I don't think it's finite. You can still be creative and still make. And, right. You know, I'm not planning on retiring unless my fingers fall off. Right. <laughs> I know. I, it's a very different world, I think, the artist world versus people with nine to fives. Totally. And, and how they kind of see there's an end to this, I'm going to retire, and then I'm going to get to do what I love. And I do feel like most artists I've talked to, this is, I don't want to say calling, because that sounds super lame, but it's it's a, a happy place that's going to resonate the rest of your life. And I think that's a difference between 
production pottery and like production pottery just makes it a job which is right. how yeah. it felt right but when i went into the studio in the fall to make for that show in december not only did i just like feel like i knew what i was doing mm-hmm. which is not how i feel at my regular job mm-hmm. i don't know that i think that's how everybody at regular jobs feels or maybe it's like if you have passion for what you're doing, you feel like you have purpose and drive and you know what you're doing. I don't have passion for making software training <laughs> programs. Yeah. I actually think it's kind of fascinating in a way, but it's yeah. not like my passion project. No, no, it's a, I, it's a I job. I am connected to the people that I work with and what I do there now is very much tied to making their jobs easier and that I can justify doing every right. day. Right. Do I think about it when I wake up? No. Do I think it makes the world a better place? No. <laughs> no, you know what, though, that's tricky about that it makes is... their world's better, which is good. I was going through a whole issue a few years ago about does my artwork, does my clay work make the world a better place? And <laughs> I was really torn with that. Like, really? No, it, I, it, it's like, does it make... I mean, it makes me happy. It makes me feel satisfied in a way that other things don't but does it make the world a better place it does i you know i went through that too like am i just making garbage that's going to end up at goodwill inevitably but the world without art is so no i think art i think that that's how you justify it but i guess this is where i differ what i mean like i don't necessarily always feel like what i make is art that's has a strong voice and a strong so i think art always has a place and art can make the world better but a lot of the things i make i think are just really pretty and attractive and they make me feel good how's that not art yeah well that seems beneficial (laughs) right there right (laughs) it makes you feel good I'm not solving global warming. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not. That's the thing when you are looking at other artists that are making really you know, controversial stuff, yeah. loud yeah, sculptural work, or, or yeah. And I would love to be that. Not that I don't make some work that I feel sort of has a statement, but. I don't know. I don't think that way. I can't make, you know, that's then why I'm drawn Peter to pots. Peter and pay Paul. That's how you justify. You charge more from yeah. those rich people and you donate it somewhere else. Yeah. I've been thinking a lot about a business model that somehow makes art affordable to other people, right? Or mm. like lower income people. Like how mm. do I have a sponsorship program where like you can pay an extra $10 and it will give a pot to somebody who wouldn't otherwise be able to afford one. Mm. I do that. I mean, just at art fairs. Right. Like if giving there's things a away student a discount or it's really hard because with what I'm making, I feel like my prices need to be higher and I started jumping those, but mm-hmm. now they seem extreme where it's, you know, I know. Like, can you afford your own work? Right? That's what, that's yeah, always think about that. Can I afford my own yeah, work? Yeah. Which is insane because if you're selling these pieces at those prices, you should be able to afford your own work. But right. at the same time. Like, but life these, isn't cheap right now. Right? Well, yeah. And galleries take half and, mm-hmm. you know, which most of them that I go through definitely earn. Right. That right. Half. It's hard. And not that I would sell those pieces for half price. Like a second sale 
idea if the piece is a second sometimes people will just shard it because it's not worth having out yeah. or what to do with it but maybe that's something to think about is the second sale yeah that is in second sales. and in a in a place where people who who may not normally go to art fairs right, right. may you know ymcas or big brothers big sisters or some type of event like that where mm -hmm. you could do demos and get people who may not normally have access to clay or clay facilities excited about maybe trying their hand. Right, yeah, that's just it's a whole nother level, I think, if you're not constantly trying to pay the bills with your art, which is where I was. Clay isn't and, incredibly expensive, but everything yeah. that goes with it. Equipment. Glaze, glazes, yeah. Yeah. equipment, yeah. Know, kilns. Even, like, I, I didn't get my first wheel until after being a full-time potter at Rowe. So I'd been production potter for two to three years and I still couldn't afford my own wheel. Well, I finally, with COVID, there was a local artist grant that I got some money mm -hmm. and that's when I bought my first wheel. Wait a minute, Otherwise, mine was... fell, off a, fell off a truck on the way from Humanities to the Art Loft. What? Still, still got it. What? Funny, yeah, because I mean, it's, you know, there are a lot of money. $1,200 yeah. $2,000. Yeah, here and... we are, three potters. Yeah. <laughs> no, he... Mine was free. Yours still get yours still reasonably. Yeah, because yeah. I got some free money. Wow. So what wheel were you using before? It was a wheel that was at a place that I worked that was junked that I fixed and bought a new wheel head. That's and... Wow, and it worked, though. Very I mean, you got it to do fine. Yeah. 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 I think mine needed a new switch. That's why yeah. I came to my house. Nice. That was very easy to fix. Oh, that's so smart. Before that, I had a Shimpo from... Did you have I a... I think it was from the 1700s. You didn't have a Whisper. No, it was... It was, <laughs> the, it was I'm a Brent girl myself. It was the Shimpo Roar. Oh, it was the opposite of cone, a Whisper. cone-driven wheel. And you push the pedal, and this cone, you know, moves underneath and spins the wheel. And it was the loudest. Thing ever. <laughs> like I couldn't listen to music or anything. It was what was like, it like? <laughs> they had or, no bat pedals. It was. It was. It was like stone on stone. There's like a. Well, that's how that Flintstones that I learned of, on. Of, it was a stone. No, the one I learned on had like a kick. Is that a treadle wheel where it has like a bar that you kick yeah. and you do it standing yeah, up? Yeah, yeah, and it will okay. keep and it will keep it moving yeah. if you push on that. That's the, what I land yeah. on, um, and now I throw standing up. Yeah, Harvey Littleton had these stand-up kick wheels. I yeah. had one of those at one time that yeah, I fixed I up. I love that thing. But it you was still one have of, one outside your your studio yeah, right a, now. And I cleaned that up and I use it. And I throw it in the you know I throw in the summer on it. Mm -hmm. The Harvey Littleton one, like you would kick that pedal and you'd have to move your leg. Otherwise, yeah. that thing would just like destroy your shin. Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, I love that thing. I used to always throw standing up when I was throwing production. And then once I stopped throwing production, I just set it down on the ground because I was getting tendonitis from standing if everything is not perfectly aligned. I mm -hmm. got tendonitis from sitting oh, in my yeah. elbow. I got in my like knee this. from standing. But standing up, I straightened. No, it's better for your back really well. if you're doing. But I work a little more like you, Ryan, because I do throwing for a time and then I do hand building. Yeah. And then back and forth. So I'm not throwing every time I'm in the studio. Yeah, I mean, I threw today and 
and maybe through 10 minutes total and I just throw forms that I yeah. alter quick and then yeah. set them aside and tomorrow I'll work on them and for the most part I stand when I hand build yeah so I go back and forth it depends because if I'm doing a lot of repetition I I do sit but then I've noticed my left cheek was a little sore. Mm. So I think it's a muscle thing from sitting. Well, since COVID, I've been exercising crazy, and I have had less body issues with working in the studio as far as, like, my Yeah, no aches and hurt. pains and yeah, stuff because, yeah, you got your core building up. Yeah. Yep. So. There it is. That's a secret right there. Yeah. A little humble brag there. Yeah. Oh, it's just been well, like working and, out like crazy. And well, if I would at... quit with the booze, it would be a lot <laughs> more beneficial. But but then we couldn't do the podcast. So oh, they're sorry. Too bad. So yeah. Sad. yeah, yeah. What's the weirdest thing a customer ever said to you? What came to mind first was somebody who asked me if I could make them a set of dishes with chickens on them. Oh, chickens are hot. Yeah, because so that's why? exactly like what I think nothing. of when I see you, your work. Nothing <laughs> I've ever done has had anything remotely chicken adjacent. But she's like, can you make me a mug with chickens on it? Mm. No, I can't. So you, you maybe you just you dash like, you their are dreams. on Etsy.com. Just put right in the search bar chicken mug. Yeah, this Someone is new. Already Etsy does it. Yeah. Oh my god, probably like. A gazillion people do a chicken version right? of a pot. Chickens. Oh. That's Eric and I have that running joke. Chickens. Could you make me a mug with chickens on it? <laughs> oh. Maybe you should do some with chickens on it. If you go to art fairs, you should walk into booths and ask that question. I think we should all next time we go to a pot or pot fair. <laughs> pot fair. <laughs> Pottery fair or art fair. Say can you do this with chickens? And then say it completely serious, and then when they say no, just turn around, spin on your heels, and say thank you. <laughs> Did you have you ever done that? Just spun and left? I cannot. Eric Sullivan can do that. That man can exit a conversation gracefully like no one I've ever I, met in my life. Maybe we should talk more, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Is this done? Is this over? Is it... <laughs> yeah. I don't know, Ryan. Can you, do you have that skill set? No, I, it's the opposite. I talk too much to whoever I'm talking to. <laughs> and then I don't leave the conversation when I should. Kay really enjoys that part of our relationship. I bet. <laughs> I do that too where I fill any silence. As Ryan knows, having gone to Ensika mm -hmm. with me, where I didn't know that he and my old professor, Carl, had been talking with Ryan about Boy, she talks a lot, doesn't she? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, I was a little bit hurt because I'm like, oh my gosh, like I, I've known him for so many years and that's the first thing that he had to say. <laughs> but at the same time, I'm like, well, it's kind of true. <laughs> <laughs> know thyself. It's an important part of life. It is. I was buying clay from a place which shall not be named. Until they're a sponsor. <laughs> well, I won't name them because they won't know. Um, I was talking about how I had bought some potter's mug or how I was excited to go to Ensika because I'm going to get so many cool pots. And he's like, whenever I go to those just things, those things, all I think of is like, I could just make this. Why would I buy it? Ew. I hate that. I oh, hated yeah, yeah. that they said that. I was That's... like, why would you copy someone's work to have it as your own? That's not the point. Like, yeah. 
I don't know how a person involved, like so heavily involved in our community and what mm. we do would ever come to that conclusion. Like I could just make that. Mm. The only but reason I use my own pots randomly are because they might get broken. Exactly. And then I won't care. Exactly. I like to use my own pots periodically to see how they feel. Like, am I on the right path, or am I just putting shit out there? I feel like my mugs like, are way bigger than all of the mugs that I ever buy, so that's why I use I, mine a lot of the time. Sometimes I want a big mug. Well, you know, and we use a lot of big mugs. Like, when we do the Keurig, which, by the way, I started doing reusable pod things. That's which good, because I been... just judged you. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I reuse. There's a size of mug that I like every time I have my coffee, and I go to the biggies. The little ones, which are beautiful and charming, I don't use very much. So I have really made a turn recently to a small so, mug now. Oh, and oh. Eric is a small mug person. I bought him a great carry radish little tiny mug, and he f- loves that mug. Uh, and I find myself wanting smaller mugs now. No, are you doing tea girl, or coffee in mug it? girl? Coffee. You're doing coffee. coffee. Yeah. All right. Okay. We're kind of rambling now. Now but. let's talk about what's altering your world right now. Like what is something that's kind of shaking things up a little bit, getting you excited or... Got a new Cabbages. dog. Oh, oh she got a new pups. Yeah, this is like breaking news. Big news. I feel like everybody knows I, that I was very upset about passing of my previous dog, Kayak. Which is kind of why you took some time off too, yes. because it was pretty traumatic to lose your well, puppers. Yeah, she got cancer, and that's anybody who's gone through dog cancer knows that if you're going to try to fight it, it's a full-time job. So pandemic was good for that. Mm-hmm. I had all the time in the world to spend with her, and we lived it up. So this week I got a new dog, and she is wonderful. And, and she's nine months old. She's nine months and or two years old. I forgot her name <laughs> as already. As most rescues are. Uh, her name is Juniper Louise. Juniper Louise. And we call her Junie. And how does she like her brother? Very big brother. Uh, she loves him. It was a testy <laughs> couple of days, but... We have been working with Nibs with a dog trainer for several months, and I think we got ourselves pretty spooked, and he is proving all of us wrong. (laughs) He is just being a really good boy now, and I think we sold him a little short. Oh, he's he's, stepping up to the plate. Yeah, it's interesting to think of him as the mature one after. (laughs) (laughs) How old is he? He's six and a half. Okay, Yeah. yeah. So he's still young. Yeah, but you compared to Kayak, he's just like a big, dumb idiot. But now, like, compared to a super young dog who doesn't know anything about the world because she was a stray, he's, like, pretty well-trained. So yeah. He's pretty confident. Like, oh, good. Like, it's just a really different perspective. Yeah. That's exciting. It's altering my world, that's yeah. for sure. Woohoo! Okay, Ryan. When what we you were, got? like, going to record this in the bar, that was going to alter my world because right. I was in a bar. And I actually was at a bar and I got a pint of beer and I you know, didn't he, have a panic attack. I wouldn't be like, okay, all that's good except you were licking all the bar surfaces yeah. and the handles. So, you yeah. know. Well, I miss that. And <laughs> my favorite <laughs> way to experience a bar is to just taste it. All I, the sensories need to be awake. Take it all in. <laughs> I mean, besides going to a bar and having a pint, like, I recently quit teaching part-time and 
having full-time studio for the most part besides like child care and things so like that's altering like it's, my work is yeah growing and having a little more time well new ideas which is exciting and you know new ideas are changing a spout you know it's yeah. not like mind-blowing stuff but at the same time like i'm super jacked with you know way the way my work's progressing in a couple yeah. of months of not teaching so nice nice I think that's great yeah i'm excited i'm trying to think what's altering my world i got some new molds that i'm playing with and that's really altering my work so and oh. i've got some silicone food molds that i'm going to start to use and make and that's really exciting because you can do some pretty delicate details. Ooh. Mm-hmm. So if people want to see your work, like your current work, because it's going to be changing because you it's are... different every time. Yeah. They can go to John Instagram. That is Toast Ceramics. definitely the best way to stay in touch. And, that, and then do you use that more? Instagram and Facebook because you hate they're and, terrible. Well, and okay. they're, We but are yet, their product and that is a problem. It is, except I fucking love it. <laughs> I feel I don't, the opposite. I, I love, I, it's not that I, I don't love, I don't have any feelings for the company, but I do love the idea of taking an image and putting it out there. That's what I love. I yeah. don't love some of the other ugliness that happens, but I do yeah. love the ease of putting your work out. That is true. Yeah, I just follow artists and like some national parts on Instagram, <laughs> so that's all I see. Yeah. And some wacky toy collectors. Amy so. Sedaris is pretty funny. You should follow her. I can't her. follow any more people. No. You've, you've, cut, like you've reached your wall. Yeah. There's a limit. There's a, it's a slippery slope if you let it be. That's for sure. Yeah. But yeah, Instagram is definitely the best way to find okay. anything new. I'm so Toast Ceramics happening. with Jackie Matelski. Oh, I hit it. You did. Otherwise, you can go on to her website, which is toeceramics.com. Oh, that's so easy, it's, too. That's lovely. That's so lovely. It's hard to remember both of those. It, it is when you've had two. <laughs> this is like two and a half glasses of wine for me. So I'm feeling a little, a little it's squishy. Less, it's a little less than turd. the last podcast. Yeah. <laughs> the whiskey so, is not my friend. Yeah. There's right. a snow squall outside, so we're yeah. trying to be responsibly altered this yeah. evening. Yeah, so we can drive home through the squall. What is a squall? I don't, I don't know. Is it like a Yeti? Okay, Ryan, what's going on? What are you making and what shows are you getting ready for? I have too much to do. I just sent work to Shallow Gallery and now I'm making work for Outlag, Outside the Lines in Galena, Illinois. Oh. They have a place in Dubuque, too. And then um, Able Contemporary in April, and then ACAR in April. And then I have the Clay Collective Tour in May. Nice. So It's happening. It's a lot. It's like 300-plus pieces I have to make, and I don't make work that fast. And you're sitting here wasting your time talking to us. Look <laughs> My at studio that. lights are still on, so that's uh, So you're like, after to... this, you're going to go back and work, huh? Yeah. Or at least cover some things. Look at that. Yeah. I have work I'm making for Abel. And then I have stuff. I'm trying to make some new stuff for Artful Home for the fall. That would be out in their catalog then. Oh, that sounded lovely. <laughs> right, just pour a little more whiskey. That's All a right. heavy pour. 
thanks for talking to us, Jackie. Thank you for I having hope, me. I hope this was fun. It is. It's good to remember <laughs> where where this all started. I love and like, it. It's nice I've known reflect. you guys forever, I, but you guys didn't know half this stuff. I know. Now, it's so. so cool. It's so cool to get to talk. Yeah. Okay. Bye, listeners. It's recording. All right. Welcome to Pop. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> That's so interesting. So you yeah. went from, I didn't realize that, I guess I've been around for a long time because I remember, <laughs> whoo, whoo. Oh, oh shoot, boy. I tried to cross my legs and I almost dropped the recording. Frank okay. edit. Frank, sorry about that. <laughs> Hope it didn't blow your ears. Um, uh, he was like, I'm really into the Beastie Boys, and I, I heard, I heard you're the one enough. to go to from that plate I was lyrics. Trying to think of something sarcastic with Beastie Boys, but mm, nothing happened. There's probably something in there. Q uh, Beastie Boys song? I don't think we have the budget to do that. like your editor should be a person outside of the world that they're editing so that they yeah like they have a, they have that distance on a different level. Yeah. yeah i think yeah. so fascinating oh yeah. i never thought of that well let's do editors it. a shout out to the editors shout out to the editors <laughs> of the skills world. we don't even understand